0: For the last two Mishnahis, we've been discussing cases in which somebody has two boxes, and one box is full of Chulin, and the other box is full of Truma. However, he does not know which box is which. Now, the halakh is that, in general, if somebody plants Truma, it's forbidden to plant Truma, but if somebody does, then if he does it intentionally, then the halakh is, we're going to learn later on in the ninth Perek, that he's not allowed to uproot it, and he has to process the Truma, and harvest it, and whatever grows from what he planted will also be trimmer, medjabonon. However, if he does it unintentionally, then he can uproot it, and we don't force him to process this into more trimmer. Now if somebody plants Maduma, and let's say he does it intentionally, so he processes the produce, so what is the status of the produce which grows from those trimmer seeds? The answer is it depends. Since it's a medumma, we're more lenient, and therefore the halakh is that if what was planted is a seed, which when it grows, the seed disintegrates, and it decomposes in the ground, so you're no longer left with the original seed, which was planted. So you're no longer left with the original trimmer which was planted. So in that case, since it's a maduma and since even the original maduma is no longer there once the produce grows, so the halach is that that which grows, the produce which grows from it, will be chulin, it will not be trimmer. So let's begin the Mishnah. If somebody planted one of these boxes, so again, we've got two boxes, we're not sure which one's chulin, which one's trimmer So if somebody plants one of them by mistake, what's the usual halacha when somebody plants trimmer by mistake? The answer is he has to uproot it. However, in this case, since it might be chulen, we say potter, he's exempt, the Rabbanon did not impose this law of uprooting the trimmer produce, because this is a case of doubt. However, vashnir, the second box, even once the first box has been planted, that makes no difference to the second box. The second box is still considered in a doubt as to whether it's the trimmer box or the chulen box, and therefore no you have to treat it with the stringencies of trimmer, nevertheless the Hayelas it is still obligated in Khala, which only applies to chulin produce. Because you need the stringencies of both Truma and Chulin because we're not sure which box this is. The Rebbe Meir that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir? However, Rabbi Yaisi, Peter, as we've seen a couple of times already, Rabbi Yaisi exempts this box from Khala, from the portion of dough which goes to the Kohen. The reason being, the Rabbi Yaisi looks at this case where it's a doubt as to whether it's Truma or Chulin in the same way as if it was Maduma, where it's half Khulin and half Truma. So just like Maduma is Potter from Khala, so too, this box will be exempt from the obligation of Chalah. Continues the mission Azara Acheres Shashnir, if somebody else plants the second box, then again, Potter. If he does it by mistake, he'll be exempt from uprooting it, because Rabonu did not impose this on a doubtful case. And now ends off the mission Azara Acheres Shitein. if one person planted both of the box, then so now certainly he planted the Trummer. So you would think that at least one of the boxes needs to be considered Truma. Once it grows, however, the Mishnah says, but If it's something where the seed decomposes and disintegrates when the produce grows, then mutter is permitted, meaning that that which grows from it will be chulin. And this is talking about both of the boxes. And the reason for this is because it's similar to maduma just like maduma If you plant the maduma and it's something where the seed de- de- decomposes, then we say that the produce becomes chulin. So too, in a case where it's a doubt as to whether it's trimah or khulin, we apply the same law. But the Mishnah says, if it's something where the seed does not decompose, then of course Osir, both boxes will be forbidden, because over here, this also goes according to both Rebiyasi and Rabbi Meir. Because now that he planted both boxes, this is even more similar to a You're pretty much mixing the Chulin and Trumma together now. And therefore, the exact same halach as Madumah applies, so if it's something where the seed does decompose, then that which grows will be chul, and if not, then it will be truma. Periches Mishnah Aleph, the following Mishnah discusses different cases where somebody was eating truma, but something occurs which means that he can no longer eat truma. And we'll bring a few examples of these, so now the first example is Ch'ishah Sh'a'isah Ch'lesbih a woman who was eating truma, and we're discussing a woman who was born to a family of Yisraelim, of non koanim so before she got married, she was not allowed to eat truma. Then she got married to a Kohen, so just like the Kohen can marry can eat trimmer, so to his wife and family can eat trimmer. But then, after she ate the trimmer bov amulah, people came and said to her, "Meis Balich, your husband died; a sheikh, or your husband divorced you." And this occurred before you ate some trimmer, so you ate trimmer since this occurred, which means that that trimmer was forbidden for you to eat because you were no longer married to a Kohen, and therefore you were no longer entitled to eat trimmer. Now there's a discussion in the Urshalmi, how exactly can this woman not have known that she was divorced? A woman can only be divorced if she receives a get from her husband, and she's gotta receive it and know about it. So how could she not have known that she was divorced? So one explanation given is that she could have appointed somebody else to receive the get from her husband, and when she ate the trimmer, she assumed that the messenger had not yet received the get. But be as it may, this is one case where a woman thought that she could eat trimmer, but she could no longer eat trimmer. Or, similarly, a servant of a Kohen, and this is referring to a non Jewish slave who is considered owned by his master. So, if his master is a Cohen, then he is allowed to eat teruma. But then, on people came and said to him, "Meseh your master has died, or he's sold you to a Yisrael." So, since your master can no longer eat teruma because it's a Yisrael master, you also cannot eat teruma anymore. And son of he gave you as a present to Yisrael, or even asar ben Khairin, he made you a free man. Either way, he is no longer owned by a Cohen, and therefore he can no longer eat Trumah. So, the last teruma which he ate was done illegally. Alright, next example, A chen Similarly, a kohen himself who was eating truma, or he ate truma, and after he ate that truma, he found out that he is the son of a divorcee, or the son of a woman who received halitza. Now, what exactly are we talking about here? So, the halacha is that a kohen is not allowed to marry a woman who has been divorced, a grusha. And if he does, then his children are called chalolim, a chalol. A chalol is somebody who is a disqualified kohen. So, somebody born as a result of this forbidden union between a Kohen and a divorcee may no longer eat shrimah. So, if this person finds out that he is the son of a divorcee and a Kohen, that means that he's not allowed to eat shrimah. And the same applies if his mother was a chalutza. A chalutza is a woman who has received chalitza. Now, what exactly is chalitza? So, if somebody marries a woman and then he dies before they even had any children, the halach is that it's a mitzvah on the, man, the dead man's brother. To marry this widow, the wife of the dead man, and that's known as yibum. But if for whatever reason he does not want to marry her, then he goes through a process known as Khalitsa, which is when they go to base and they go through a whole process, and he does not end up marrying her. Be it as it may, the woman is not allowed to the widow is not allowed to marry anybody else until she's received Khalitsa from her dead husband's brother. Which means that if you think about it, chalitza is very similar to a divorce. Just like a woman cannot marry another man until she's received a divorce, a get, from her husband, so too, a, this woman, this widow, cannot marry anybody else until she has received chalitza from the dead man's brother. And so because it's very similar, midr a woman who has received chalitza, is considered the same as a woman who has received a divorce. Which means that if a Kohen marries a chalutza, a woman who has received chalitza, that is forbidden, and their children will be halolim midrabanon, Which means, again, that he will not be able to eat truma. So in all these cases, where somebody was eating truma, but then he found out later on that he's not allowed to eat the truma. What is the halacha? So Rebelezer mecha karen Keren says this person is obligated to pay karen v'chamesh. We've seen a number of times that karen v'chamesh is the punishment... Or it's the atonement for somebody who eats trimmer unintentionally. And says Rebbeza, that's exactly the case here. All these people thought they could eat trimmer, but really they were not allowed to, so they did it unintentionally, and therefore they're chive to, to pay Karen Vokhamesh the value plus a fifth to a coin. However, very interestingly, Rabbi Yeshua Peter. Rabbi Yeshua actually exempts these people from paying the chaymesh. Now, the Gemara explains that Rabbi Yeshua does not exempt this person in general. Rabbi Yeshua is talking about a very specific case, and in that case they'll be exempt. And this case involves an important rule known as Tor Bidvar Mitzvah, the Osam Mitzvah. If somebody commits an avera unintentionally, while he's doing a mitzvah. And an example, and the example which applies in our case, is if somebody was eating trimmer, on the morning of Erev Pesach, and this trimmer was Chomet, which means that this person eating the trimmer, he was doing it in order to destroy the Chomet, because one has to destroy the Chomet by Pesach, or by a few hours before Pesach even. So on the morning of, of Erev Pesach, he was consuming the Chomet in order to fulfill this mitzvah of bir Chomet, of destroying the Chomet. Now it turns out that he wasn't actually allowed to eat it, because it was Truma, and he wasn't allowed to eat trimmer. However, the entire Aveira was only due and done at the same time as the Mitzvah. And according to Yeshua, in that situation, one will be exempt from the punishment for the Aveira. So until now in the Mishnah, we've discussed the status of somebody who eats Truma when he thought he was allowed to eat Truma, but then he finds out that he's not allowed to. Now we discuss a similar situation, but with regards to offering up Karbanus. Now the Halakh is that if a non-Kohen offers up Karbanus, on the Mizbeach, then the carbonus are invalid. That's the Kohen's job. However, when it comes to a Cholol, and that is again somebody who is born from the union between a Kohen and a Divorcee, there is an opinion in our Mishnah that although a Cholol is a disqualified Kohen and has the same halachas as a non-Kohen, if he does offer up carbonus on the Mizbeach, then once it's done, then it's okay and the carbonus will not be invalid. So says the Mishnah, If somebody, a Kohen, or at least he thought he was a Kohen, was offering up carbonus on the Mizbeach, and he did this for many years, let's say, and then all of a sudden, It is found out that he is the son of a divorcee, or the son of a woman who received chalitza, and as such, he is considered a Cholol. So or Ezra says that just like any other non-Kohen who is not allowed to bring korbanos on his be'ach, if they do, then it's invalid. So to a cholal kolak korbanos shehikul agami ames be'ach Basulin. All the carbonas which he has bought on the Mizbeach are invalid. However, for Yubi Yashua, Machsheh, says that it is valid. This is an exception. And Yubi learns it from a posuk. The posuk says, Borech Hashem Chiloi. Hashem bless his um, possessions. But the word Chiloi also comes from the word Cholol. And so the posuk is saying that Hashem bless Cholol. Bless a cholol, meaning, although a is not allowed to offer out these karbanas, Rabbi Ishwa finds a hint in this posuk that it is still valid once he's done it, and the posuk continues with far a lot of tertseh. Hashem favors the works of his hand, and so learns from this posuk that a cholol's are valid, but yevad, once it's done. But of course, not ideally. Having said that, the Mishnah ends off that no mum, if it is found out that the coin is a baal mum, he's got a blemish, he's got a wound which invalidates him from bringing carbonus then everybody agrees. Is that Avedoso his service is invalid, and whoever bought this carbonas will have to bring another carbon because the one which was bought by this coin was invalid. Now this is learned from a as well, because the Torah says that a coin a with a mum cannot serve in the Beit Samikdash, she can't bring carbonus and then it sort of repeats itself. It says the same thing again, in slightly different words, but the fact that it repeated itself teaches that even bdyeved, even once it's been done, even then it will be invalid. Mishnah so base. We're now going to go back to the original situations we had, or at least two of those situations. The first one was a woman who was married to a Kohen and then found out that her husband died or divorced her. And the other case, which we're going to discuss, is a slave who also he was a slave of a Kohen, so he was able to eat Trumma, but then he finds out that actually he is no longer the slave of that Kohen, and therefore he cannot eat Trumma. But in this situation, the what happens if the trimmer was inside their mouths, they were eating the trimmer, and as they were eating it, they had some trimmer in their mouth, then people told them that they can no longer eat it. The question is, do they need to spit it out, or can they continue eating at least what is in their mouth already? So Rebilezer, Rebilezer says Yivle'u, they're allowed to swallow the rest of the trimmer, at least that which is already in their mouth, because according to Rebilezer, we look at this as one act, one act of eating. So when she put it into her mouth, or when the slave put it into his mouth, At that point, was he permitted to do so? Yes, there's no reason why not. They've been doing it all their lives, or at least since they were married, since they were a slave. So they're doing what they regularly do. And now in the middle of this act, which was allowed, they're told that they're no longer allowed to do it. But since we look at it as one big act, so since she'd started doing it in a permissible way, the entire act is considered permitted, and therefore she can complete and finish this bite, and finish what is in her mouth. However, Rubio Shua says that she has to, they have to split it out, because fact is, says Ruby Shua, that right now you realize that this is forbidden. You can't swallow something which is forbidden. We're not looking at this as like one big act, which began in a permitted way. From when they hear that they're no longer allowed to eat truma, they can no longer eat truma. And the mission brings a couple of similar examples, and that is, if while they were eating the Truma, and now we're really talking about any Kohen, a regular Kohen who was eating Truma, and while he was eating it, on people said to him, It's Mesa, You just became Tommy. Let's say they saw that a dead insect touched him, or the trimmer, they tell him that a dead insect touched the trimmer, let's say, so the trimmer became Tomei. If either the coin or the trimmer is Tomei, it cannot be eaten. However, since he began eating it in a permissible way, you've got the same makhlakes. So, Ebi says that you can swallow it, however, Rabbi Yashua says that you have to spit it out, because the fact is, from now, you're forbidden to eat the trimmer. And the last part of the Mishnah is going to tell us a case where everybody agrees that he has to spit it out. And that is if somebody tells him that already from before he started eating the trimmer, he was forbidden to do so. In that case, there was no time where it was permitted. And therefore, even Ubeleza will agree that you have to spit it out. So what would those examples be? Tomei HaYisa. If somebody tells him, you became Tommy before you ate the trimmer. Or, Tomei HaYisa trimmer, the trimmer was Tommy already before you ate it or if they find out that something which somebody was eating, and this is not necessarily talking about a coin let's say somebody was eating food, and they find out that this food is actually tevel, which has untithed produce, which is forbidden to eat. Or or if they find out that it's mycerition, from which the truest mice has not been separated, and therefore it's forbidden to eat, or if they find out that it's Meisasheni or Hekdash, based property, that has not been redeemed onto other produce, so it, the produce itself now is holy, and it can only be eaten, the Meisasheni can only be eaten in Yerushalayim, and the Hekdash cannot be eaten at all. So if somebody is eating that outside of Yerushalayim, or if they're eating Hekdash at all, again, there was no tan that was permitted and this is a slightly different example to the rest of the examples, and it's when he tastes the taste of a bed bug, and the same would apply to other bugs, in his mouth while he's eating the tremor. So in all these cases, a flight, he must uh, spit it out, So the reason for all of the examples, except for the last one, is because there was never a time when it was permitted even to put it into his mouth. And the reason for the last one, the case of the bed bug, is that even though in general it's forbidden actually, to spit out trimmer in the middle of you eating it. Because you can't waste tremor. and therefore when your Beliezer says that you're allowed to swallow the trimmer in general, if you start it in a permitted way, he's saying that you need to swallow it, because otherwise you'd be wasting the trimmer. However, in this case, Rebellezor agrees that you are allowed to spit it out. The reason being that it's so disgusting for somebody to swallow this bug, and to have to continue biting this bug. And because of that, Rebellezor allows you to spit it out, and in that way, the last one is a bit different to the rest of the examples, because in the the rest of the examples, the mission is saying that you have to spit it out, because you're not allowed to eat that produce. In this case, it's more saying that you are allowed to spit it out, because of how disgusting it is. Although many do hold that in fact that it is forbidden and you do actually have to spit it out because you're not allowed to swallow the bug. Okay, Mishnah Gimel. This Mishnah is very similar in style to the previous Mishnah. We're going to have a similar machlickas between Yerbil and your Shua. But before we learn this Mishnah, we need to understand a couple of things about Meisris. About the various tithes which one needs to separate from produce. And halach is that until the produce has been brought into the house or into the courtyard, into wherever it will be stored, one is allowed to eat that produce as a sort of snack, in a temporary fashion, even without separating the tithes. However, once you have brought the produce into the courtyard, then it's forbidden, and as well as that, if Shabbos comes along before you bring in the produce into the courtyard, Shabbos also obligates the produce in Trimus and Meisterus, and so from Shabbos onwards, you would not be able to eat that produce, even in a temporary snack manner. The discussion of this Mishnah is about produce which somebody started eating, and then either Shabbos came along or it was brought into the courtyard. So, in that case, does Shabbos or the courtyard make it obligated in Trumas and So the Mishnah says. If somebody was eating a cluster of grapes, he began eating the cluster, and he entered from the garden, or from the field, into the courtyard. So had he not started the cluster, certainly that would now be obligated in Trumus and Maeserus, and he would not be able to eat any of it until he separates those. However, since in this case, he had started the cluster already, says, Yigmar. he is allowed to finish that cluster without separating mices from it, as long as he does not do it inside the courtyard itself. If he actually eats it inside the courtyard itself, then that stops even being considered temporary. Then it would be obligated to introduce the maestres. Where says that he's allowed to turn around and continue finish eating it outside the courtyard... And he will not need to separate Maishas. However, Rabbi Shua says that he cannot complete that cluster without separating Maishas from it. Because as soon as it even enters the courtyard, that's already considered not to be temporary anymore. And the courtyard obligates it in Tremes and masters. And now the mission has a very similar case. If it's getting dark at the beginning of Shabbos, and somebody started eating it already before then. So, as it's getting dark, is he allowed to continue eating it? So, the truth is, everybody agrees that you're not allowed to eat it on Shabbos itself, because it wouldn't be considered temporary anymore. However, Rabbi Yoshua says that you can finish it. And the truth is, the Gemara explains this should be Rabbi Yezer's opinion, like in the previous case. So, we're going to learn it that Rabbi Yezer holds that like you can finish it on Motze Shabbos after Shabbos. However, just like in the previous case, Rabbi Yoshua The Be'eshua says that you cannot finish it even after Shabbos, because according to Be'eshua, as soon as Shabbos has come along, or as soon as it's entered into the chotzer immediately at that point, it becomes obligated in Trimus and Miserus. It's never going to be considered temporary or a snack anymore, and therefore you would not be able to even finish that cluster which you started without first separating the Trimus and Miserus.